0: Was a really interesting premise for why he was able to do this. And it had to do with poop. There are so many little-known fairy tales, folklore stories, and chapters of history to explore in this world. And so much of it is wackadoo! Unbelievable, disturbing, enthralling, mind-bending, and just plain weird. When i find these stories they get stuck in my head and i absolutely have to share them with someone so i thought why not share these with you welcome to tail wagging a gleeful retelling of little known fairy tales folklore history and Hey there, Tailwaggers. I've got a story from history for you this week, and it's a story of a man who started his own country on a raft. Sounds great, right? What's even weirder is you've heard his name before. It's Hemingway, but it's Lester Hemingway. Lester is spelled L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R, but it's pronounced Lester from everything I've heard. And Lester Hemingway is famous for three things. One, for being the younger brother of the novelist, Ernest Hemingway, whom he also looked like quite a bit. They looked like each other a lot. It was kind of eerie. Two, for publishing a very well-received biography of his brother, a mere eight months after Ernest Hemingway died. And three, for founding his own island nation, the Republic of New Atlantis. The story of New Atlantis is one of adventure and excitement, of daring deeds and hard work, and like so many great endeavors, utter absurdity. But before we talk about the island, how about a little bit more background on the man himself? He was the youngest of six children, and like Ernest, Lester was a writer, world traveler, avid outdoorsman. I even saw something about him being a used car salesman at some point. He worked as a newspaper reporter, photo editor, boat builder, and authored many articles on fishing and outdoor activities for men's publications, along with six books. But he lived in Ernest Hemingway's shadow most of his life. He told the Los Angeles Times, It's a tough act to follow, which is definitely true. I mean, both of them were writers, but by the time Lester was writing his high school newspaper, Ernest's book Farewell to Arms had been made into a motion picture. Ernest was off making big money for these like 400 word blips during the third siege of Madrid during the war, and Lester was home working as a cub reporter for the chicago daily news yeah lester published his first novel in 1953 but it was only one year after the old man in the sea which is the book probably most of us read in high school and it was one year before ernest hemingway was awarded the nobel prize in literature oof little brother that's rough But the brothers liked each other a lot, they wrote back and forth. One letter in 1938 by Ernest gave his younger brother writing advice. I'll paraphrase. Basically it said, uh, when you write a story, really try to make stuff up, okay? Make it interesting and significant. If you can't make up stories, you shouldn't try to write. Again, my words, because they're more fun than his. But that was basically what was happening. (laughs) Lester only had one novel. It was called The Sound of the Trumpet in 1953. It was based on his wartime experiences in France and Germany. It was reviewed as an extraordinarily untidy and uneven performance by the New York Times. It was said he really didn't resent being an earnest shadow, though, and mostly tried to make the best of it, be his own man, despite looking so much like his brother and being in very similar careers. Lester wrote a biography of his famous sibling, and it was published in February 1962, only eight months after Ernest's suicide. The book was really well-received. Like, Playboy magazine paid him $25,000, which was actually something like $160,000 in current U.S. money. Dude! Dude! And that was just for the serialization rights. People really love this biography. And so it turned out his greatest book was the one he wrote about his brother. And he used all the money he received from this book to found his island nation. This is where the story gets really funny. First, he rented a small cargo ship. He filled it with dirt sailed it to the sandbar, and dumped the dirt in the water. And he kept repeating this until the sandbar was shallow enough to walk on. So he's setting the stage for where his nation's going to be. And then on July 4th, 1964, Lester towed an 8 by 30 foot bamboo raft, eight miles southwest of Jamaica, to an old Ford engine block in 50 feet of water. This area is now a shallow ocean bank because of the adjustments he made. It's in international waters beyond the three-mile limit of Jamaica's territorial sea. Lester told the Washington Post, there's no law that says you can't start your own country. (laughs) There was a really interesting premise for why he was able to do this, and it had to do with poop. Lots of bat poop. He took possession of half of this quote-unquote island on behalf of the United States government under the authority of the U.S. Guano Islands Act of 1856. Do you know this one? Like, clearly, it's super important. Guano was a valuable commercial fertilizer in the 19th century, And there was something of a gold rush among the Western nations to claim unoccupied areas having guano deposits during the middle part of the century. And it wasn't just bat poop. It was actually bird poop, too. The Guano Islands Act of 1856 authorized U.S. citizens to take possession, on behalf of the U.S. government, of any unoccupied island, rock, or key on which a guano deposit was found. The Guano Islands Act has never been repealed, which made it fair game to 20th century adventurers like Lester Hemingway. There were several U.S. territories, including Midway Island in the Northern Pacific, that were originally occupied under the Guano Islands Act. Lester used this obscured act to claim the unoccupied half of his new island for the U.S., and then the remaining half for his new aspiring nation of... New Atlantis. Normally, you would lose your American citizenship by declaring a new nation, but using the Guano Act somehow got around that since half of this area was for the good old U.S. of A. The purpose of this tiny new nation was to house the headquarters of the International Marine Research Society, an organization founded by Hemingway. This society's mission was to further marine research, raise funds for this research, and to build a scientifically valuable aquarium in Jamaica. Hemingway also believed that by creating this new country, he could help Jamaican fishing, when that was another one of his goals, and the Jamaicans really liked that. And there were six original inhabitants of New Atlantis, including Lester, his wife Doris, their daughters Anne and Hillary. They were seven and three years old at the time. Washington International Public Relations Specialist Edward K. Moss and his assistant, Julia Cellini. That's interesting. I wonder what that relationship was like. Seven months later, in February 1965, the Republic's voters, all chosen by the founder of the island, who had dual citizenship there, basically all these people, they voted to make Lester their president the election of the Republic's first government got the press printing stories about the island again. And Lester told the paper his new republic would be a peaceful power and would not threaten its Caribbean neighbors. So what else do you need to start your own country? Well, you gotta have a flag. It was sown by Lester's spouse. They also had their own currency, the scruple. Lester believed the rich should have many scruples. (laughs) Haha, get it? I actually ended up finding a photo of what these scruples look like, and it's just like, I don't know, stuff that could have washed up on the beach. It's not real specific (laughs) or clear. Actually, they kept a bunch of the artifacts from this island experience, and they can now be found in this Ransom Center, which I guess is like a museum. The Ransom Center also has the original draft of the New Atlantis Constitution. They never made any copies. They've just just got the one. It's typed on a typewriter. Basically, it's basically a copy of the United States Constitution with the words New Atlantis subbed in. That's it. Otherwise, pretty much the same. But well, one of the most important things New Atlantis was into as a new nation was issuing postage stamps. Oh, yeah, they printed stamps in five different denominations. Oh boy, were they going to be writing some letters. Lester told the press he intended to finance the International Marine Society with the proceeds from the stamps. I don't, who did he think was going to come buy these stamps? There's seven people who live there. What gives? So, sadly, this did not work out, as the Swiss-based Universal Postal Union refused to recognize the legitimacy of the stamps or their issuer. But Lester tried real hard. He even made stamps of Sir Winston Churchill, and even one honoring Lyndon Johnson, the president, as protector of the entire free world. He received a thank you note from the White House for that stamp. But this sucking up did not help New Atlantis secure diplomatic recognition. Womp womp. Lester had plans to expand the island, but it never happened. New Atlantis disappeared in a storm several years after it was founded in 1966 by a tropical storm. Disappeared like the original Atlantis. Ooh. So this whole thing might seem pretty silly to us now. It definitely seems silly to me. But in the 60s it really seemed like anything was possible. There were multiple self-proclaimed island nations, usually on man-made platforms. I think that pirate radio movie was made about one of those stories. And the Republic of New Atlantis was actually better off than many because, for one, the Jamaican government didn't seem bothered by the project. They didn't oppose it. It probably helped that Lester was was prohibiting gambling. In his new nation and that this one of the stated purposes of forming it was to raise money to protect the fishing resources in that area and a spokesman for the jamaican embassy went so far as to tell the press basically that lester seems like a really good guy and had a really good plan but neither the u.s nor jamaica ever recognized his claim it just seemed like jamaica was a little bit kinder about it since the goals were kind of to help interests that helped jamaica And he was really smart choosing the location of the island because the ocean bank was in international waters and didn't lie on a continental shelf, which eliminated several types of legal objections that otherwise would have been made and just killed this dream instantly. And the letter from the president was, quote, the closest a dreamer has come to official recognition, according to a 1988 interview given by the director of the U.S. Office of the Geographer. When Lester was asked why he founded New Atlantis, he said, hey, mostly to have fun and quote, make dough, unquote. He didn't really make dough, not at all. That part didn't work out with the stamps. But he seemed to have a lot of fun making up his own country. He was very good at publicity, much like his brother, and he loved his role as head of state for the world's smallest political entity. Lester Hemingway died in 1982 at the age of 67. He went the way of his brother and father as a suicide. He had gotten depressed due to complications with diabetes, and the doctors recommended amputation of both of his legs due to circulatory problems. So the story has a sad ending, but let's just focus on those delightful glory years of having your own raft nation and brainstorming designs for your super cool stamp collection. That must have been amazing in its own way. So I was really excited to hear about this story. I think that this story is incredible, especially fascinating being that is the younger brother of an already well known celebrity, someone very well known in the literary world. And this, this brother just needed to go off on his own, do his own thing. And to do that, he needed to make up a nation. New Atlantis is no longer with us, much like regular Atlantis, but we will remember it in memory. (laughs) Thank you for listening to my story. Tune in next week for another tale. Bye-bye thank you for listening to tail wagging if you'd like to send in a story idea email us at tailwaggingpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook or instagram or twitter at tail wagging pod that's t-a-l-e-w-a-g-g-i-n-g-p-o-d we started a twitch channel where you can watch the storytelling live at twitch.tv jackie bauer tv and a youtube channel links to both are in the show notes We'd really love it if you could take a moment to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you can. It really helps us get found on this new adventure. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, tweet about it on the interwebs, or send a raven. And if you are under an evil enchantment or have been transformed into a creature of some kind, I can't promise that listening to the next episode will turn you back, but it might. This is Tail Wagging, may all your dreams come true.